some moments are just fun. Being beside myself, being able to introduce myself to you is a lot of fun for me. I'm Jackie Simmons. I'm the host of the Suicide Prevention Show, a co-founder and acting director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And over the years, I've collected some tools in my toolbox. And today, I want to share those tools with you. So we're going to talk about building positive, powerful, powerful, positive states of emotion and the tools that I use to get there. So here we go. One of the first tools I use is a baseball analogy. Why baseball? Because it works for me. You'll find analogies that work for you. I ask myself a question. And the first tool is about gaining perspective. This is a way to increase your awareness. And the question is, oh, hmm, the elephant in the room. We're gonna talk about four things. We're gonna talk about awareness, attitude, action, and acceptance. There we go. I almost forgot, you know, I better find my notes or actually I'm just not gonna find my notes because this is the information that I know and I live. Awareness for me starts in any situation by asking the question, whose ballpark am I in? This is the ballpark theory. It's understanding that in the world, you're either the club owner, it's your ballpark, you make the rules and you have some, some you have three responsibilities or you're the ball player. If you're the ball player, you don't get to make the rules. And you really don't have any responsibilities. What you have are options, and you have three. So let's talk about it from the point of view of the ball player first. Yeah, we're going to get to the attitude part. So we're still in awareness. Awareness, it's not your ballpark. You're the ball player. That means you don't get to make the rules. So as a ball player, you might wanna know what the rules are. Once you know the rules, you've got three options. Option one, you can accept the rules of the ballpark without conflict. This allows you to play ball, make money, have fun. Whatever that looks like for you playing in someone else's ballpark. It could be that play ball means you get to solve tech puzzles. It could mean that play ball means that you get to focus on baking the most flaky pie crust. Whatever play ball means to you. Make money. Well, there you go. If you're having a good time, you are doing something that brings value into the world. It's not your ballpark. This is where your value your, is recognized in the marketplace. Have fun. Hey, let me tell you what, being a ball player, you can have a lot of fun once you accept the rules without conflict. Why? Because you'll get to play ball, make money. That sounds like fun to me. Option two, you can argue with the rules and create conflict, both for yourself and everyone around you, including the entire organization. So yeah, we're moving into attitude. Can you tell? That's your second option. You argue with the rules, you create conflict. You'll still play ball, make money, maybe not have so much fun and maybe not make so much money. 
because you'll be not maybe the favorite person of the boss if you get my drift because you're arguing. So that's option two. Option one, accept the rules without conflict. Option two, argue with the rules, create conflict. Option three, get out of the ballpark. Those are your three options. If you're not the club owner, it's not your rules, those are your options. Now, if you are the club owner, you've got three responsibilities. Guess what your first one is? Your first responsibility as a club owner is to figure out what your rules are and put them in writing, write them down for yourself. This is really important. There's clarity in actually sitting down and putting your rules in writing. I don't care if you're talking about your ballpark is your kitchen and you are the one who is the club owner of that part of your home or whether it's a multi-million dollar business that you own or run. The rules are important to be able to be clear on why, because your second responsibility is to communicate them clearly. It's a lot easier to communicate clearly if you have clarity, right? So that's the club owner's second responsibility. Just like with the ball player, that third option's kind of uncomfortable, get out of the ballpark. With a club owner, your third responsibility can be a little bit uncomfortable. It's apply the rules equitably, not equally. You wouldn't have the same expectations of your star player that you have of your bat boy. You know, at home, you wouldn't have the same expectations of your 12-year-old that you do of your two-year-old or your partner. So you have to apply the rules equitably, not equally. And that's not always comfortable because we're not always clear on why the rule is this or that this time and not that time. It's worth paying attention to. This is one of the tools that I use. It helps me both with awareness, whose ballpark am I in, and with my attitude. Have I put my rules in writing, communicated them clearly, applied them equitably? Am I in option one, accepting the rules without conflict? Option two, arguing with the rules and creating conflict? Or do I need to be taking option three? Here's where the real challenge is in the world, okay? It's the action step. It's the get out of my ballpark moment. Because here's what's happening. And I see this in corporate America. I have a background in human resources. And what I saw, but couldn't articulate back then, was something that now is becoming chronic. There are ball players, AKA employees, that have taken option three. They have not accepted the rules, not argued with the rules. They've actually gotten out of the ballpark, but there's a problem. They forgot to take their bodies with them and they are still showing up and collecting paychecks. I'm sure that's not anyone listening to this story, but you probably work with someone like that. If you're the club owner, what that means is that you have what they call now, I love this phrase, a disengaged employee. 
we have a chronically disengaged workforce and it got worse with the work at home model, which is why the bigger companies are all bringing everybody back in. We thrive when we're together. We become more and more isolated and disengaged when we are not around other people. It is the human condition. And it is a condition. Disengaged employees cost companies money. It's hard to be a club owner and to say, you have to leave my ballpark because we have a culturally um, indoctrination. We have a cultural indoctrination that says, nurture them, work with them, keep them. And yes, there's some intellectual capital investment. It's not a simple decision, but it's an important one. So my call to action on this, to take the action. If you were a club owner, look at your responsibilities, rules in writing, communicated clearly, applied equitably, and check. Do you have ball players? How are your ball players doing? Are your ball players accepting the rules without conflict, playing ball, making money, having fun, contributing to the culture so that the entire company goes up? Or do you have ball players that are arguing with the rules and creating conflict for themselves, their coworkers, and you? Check your rules. Do you have a rule around this that you're gonna hold yourself accountable to? And then the last piece, do you have ball players who have mentally or emotionally left the ballpark and forgotten to take their bodies with them. Both sides are responsible for the success of the team. It is a team sport, even though it looks like it's happening in isolation. That ball players have their stuff going on, club owners have their stuff going on, and there's not a village, but there is. There is, and there is in every area of your life, whether it's in your home, in your business, in your local library. Life is a team sport. It is not meant to be done alone. All the great literature of all time says that we are not meant to go through life alone. We just didn't realize that we were meant to be on a bigger team. And if you're not getting what you want in life, you might not be playing on a big enough team. So if you're a ball player, look, if, where can you expand? Where can you play with bigger teams? And if you're a club owner, look, where can you expand? Where can you play on bigger teams? For me, very recently, this happened. And what happened is that my company, Success Journey Academy, where I've been teaching entrepreneurial women how to sell themselves on themselves, and then take their self-worth, which is a little higher, take their value into the marketplace. And I call it sales from the inside out. That got merged in with the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. And a lot of the skills are the same. You sell yourself on staying here the same way you sell yourself on being great at what you do in the world. So it's all a sales job. And I thought that they could play together. And they did for a very little while. And then this weekend, this past week, 
I suddenly got it. I didn't get it, actually. I had intervention from a friend. And in the course of a conversation where I was saying, you know, I'm so glad you have time for me to talk because I don't know what to do next. In that course of that conversation, I got clarity. I had ballpark confusion. I was trying to be the club owner of two ballparks at the same time. As you can imagine, you know how a league is formed? You've got one club owner and another club owner and their teams are going to play. So they form a league and they create the rules for the league. So there's this league overarching the two individual club owners. Well, I had two individual clubs with very different needs. And I was trying to create one league for both clubs And they don't play the same game. They just don't. They don't play the same game. And that's my big aha. So you're going to be hearing more about how this is playing out. But just know you're going to have a lot more clarity from me and from the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, this being the suicide prevention movement, about what's coming next. And so thank you for being you. All right. So that's one of the tools that I use. Along the way, I picked up some other tools. And the one that is the most fun is the one that actually bridges both clubs. There are some things that both clubs get to use, just like if you were going to have a baseball club and a hockey club, there are some things they could both use. Might not be obvious at first, but what about they could both use some publicity, they could both use a graphic designer, they could both use, well, in my case, the tools that they could both use is called Leaving Shouldville. And Leaving Shouldville is two things, one, in the book that we were talking about earlier, makeitagreatdaybook.com, that you can sign up to be part of the, press, the, the pre-launch group, in that book is the story, Leaving Shouldville. Leaving Shouldville is based on the premise that it's possible to make peace with your past, very simply and very elegantly. The first step in leaving Shouldville is to simply embrace this idea. And trust me, I keep this right where I can grab it. This is my leaving Shouldville card. You get out of Shouldville, that dark, dank place where you go when you should on yourself or somebody shoulds on you and you buy into either one of those or you start shooting on other people. It's a dark, dank place where lives get lived and dreams go to die. And I spent a lot of time there. Living in Shouldville for me looked a lot like and was diagnosed as clinical depression. It's that place where you go to where you feel like nothing you've ever done was right. And that no one is on your side. As a matter of fact, they're all against you. That's what depression was like for me. It was a dark, dank place where my dreams had died. I didn't have a dream left. What happened? 
I started figuring it out very, very slowly. There were four emotions that were riding me like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They were guilt, regret, judgment, and blame. And I wanted a different experience of life. So I'm going to walk you through the shift, the paths, the four paths out of Shouldville. And then I'm going to walk you into the other four, the things that are going to pull you. Because we need both sometimes. We need the push to get out of where we are not happy. And we need the pull to move towards where we are happier. So let's start with the push. I wasn't happy. How did I get just a little happier? I tackled this whole concept of guilt. And for me, guilt showed up a lot around money. So repeat after me, because this is the first path out of Shouldville. Every penny I have ever spent was well spent. Every penny I have ever spent was well spent. And if you can't say that out loud with any kind of energy or enthusiasm, I'm going to make it easier for you. Here you go. Every penny I have ever spent was well spent, even if I would not choose to spend a penny that way today. This is freedom from guilt around money. Every penny I've ever spent was well spent, even if I would not choose to spend a penny that way today. Freedom from guilt around money, if you say it out loud and often. This tags back into some of the other things we've been talking about, about how powerful affirmations are. This is a power-filled affirmation for you. Every penny I have ever spent was well spent, even if I would not choose to spend a penny that way today. The second one, regret. Have you ever felt like you lost time? I felt like I wasted money and lost time. And I had to reclaim my sense around that, my sense of freedom from regret, because I regretted many, many, many of the moments that I had lived. So here's what it looks like. Freedom from regret looks like saying this out loud. Every second I have ever lived was well lived. Yeah. Every second I have ever lived was well lived, even if I would not choose to live a second that way today. It's a little easier when you put choice into it. Reclaiming the power of choice is one of the reasons that this works so well. You'll notice choice is in both of those. Every penny I have ever spent was well spent, even if I would not choose to spend a penny that way today. Freedom from guilt. And every second I have ever lived was well lived, even if I would not choose to live a second that way today. Freedom from regret. So that's two of the four ways out of Shouldville. There's actually a way to make these faster for you than even reading and saying these out loud. And we're going to give you the link to that in just a second.
Here's the third one. Judgment. Guilt, regret, judgment. We are judgment-making machines. And rather than trying to get myself to stop judging, which is what some of the self-help books I was reading were recommending, you come into a judgment-free zone, my brain wasn't going to go there. I am a judgment-making machine. So instead of fighting this elephant, I decided to ride the elephant, to ride the judgment-making part of my brain and give it a job. Are you ready? Every word I've ever read, every word a teacher ever said was useful, even if I disagree with it. Now my judgment-making machine can go to work. Do I agree with what I just heard or not? So instead of shooting on myself for judging, I am now giving my judgment-making machine clearer directions. So here we go. Every penny that I've ever spent was well spent, even if I would not choose to spend a penny that way today. Every second I have ever lived was well lived, even if I would not choose to live a second that way today. Every word I've ever read, every word a teacher ever said was useful, even if I disagree with it. Those are the first three paths, freedom from guilt, regret, and judgment. And then the fourth one. Every person I have ever met enriched my life in some way. Even if I would not choose to spend a second with them today. Once you grasp this, that every person you have ever met enriched your life in some way, even if you would not choose to spend a second with them today. Once I grasp this, I stopped blaming other people for my life. I stopped giving other people any power over my life. I pulled back all of the energy that I had previously been allowing to drain away through all of the guilt, regrets, judgings, judgments, and blame. And I reclaimed something amazing. I reclaimed sunshine and joy and happiness. And we're going to go into the four flavors of energy. I regained peace of mind. So shifting out of the guilt, regret, judgment, and blame. And shifting into the four flavors of energy. So first, the fastest path to releasing yourself from the guilt, regret, judgment, and blame is not simply repeating after me or repeating for yourself or writing them down. Those are all good. Repeating them out loud and often every morning and every evening. These are amazing tools for you to use. And there's a faster way. I call it emotional Teflon. 
and it's where positive images and powerful affirmative questions and statements are flooding into your brain faster than light. If you can handle it, I like mine really fast, faster than you can read. This gets the messages past your critical thinking brain and into your other than conscious mind. And it comes with some peppy music and it is yours as a gift from me. So you'll find it at emotionalteflon.com and Katie will put that link in as well. Why do I want you to have it fast? Because the faster you can get yourself out of shouldville. Oh, and yes, three minutes will get you out of shouldville for six to eight hours. It scientifically validated to improve mood for six to eight hours. I did not create the technology. I just partnered with them and they have the content of leaving Shouldville there. You'll go and you'll see the, the whole webpage. If you just scroll all the way to the bottom, no opt-in needed. Just go all the way to the bottom and click on it. Not right now, because I'm still talking, but later after the show, <laughs> click on it and you can watch leaving Shouldville to your heart's content. And there are speed controls. So you can speed it up to where it's only three minutes. You can slow it down so you can actually absorb all of these beautiful images and allow yourself to listen and look at the affirmative questions and comments, uh, statements. So something that I really want you to have. Um, and Katie, thank you uh, for putting that in as well. So Katie's gonna keep track of all of these links for you all so that you can ask her which one to use for what. I use a lot of tools. Surviving two bouts of clinical depression, realizing that for me, Western medicine did not have a cure. They could get me stable, but they couldn't cure me. I studied Eastern healing arts. Five years of my life was spent in the world of learning Eastern healing arts, energetic medicines, certifications, and no cure. Good stuff, good stuff, like putting all of the mental and emotional garbage in my head, all that trash into bags, but it couldn't cure me. And my journey led me into studying the mind, which is why I'm so fascinated with our speakers who have studied the mind more than I have. And so they give me more information every time I interview someone and was studying the emotions. Those four things together led to my journey as it is now in Success Journey Academy. Now, I do permanent resolution of the negative emotional history, all of the things that I was regretting and felt guilty over and was judging and was blaming both myself and others for are those moments in your life where life is happening too fast, too confusing, too intense, too painful to be able to stay present for. That's what caused all the trash was this unresolved negative emotional history. And so my journey to resolve that led to my career. We're permanently resolving it for myself. I have been medication-free and depression-free since 2003. Coming up on 18 years, actually over 18 years. What have I learned along the way? I put into 
first a basic understanding of the emotion of energy. Now, the emotion of energy, the energy of emotion. <laughs> so the energy of emotion. And I realized there are four distinct flavors of emotional energy for me. And that's what I'm going to share with you now. And I'm going to help you create a tool that you're going to create in this moment, but only if you're not driving. Ooh, actually, if you're driving, I can't control that. Hmm, let's see. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be doing a free workshop where we're actually creating the connections and I'll drop a link where you guys can all just join me in it. All right. So I want you to not run the risk of being distracted by whatever it is that's going on around you to do a guided meditation on the show, um, especially since it's also a podcast and people might end up driving in their cars. So I'm just realizing this was not a good plan. Didn't think this through quite so much. All right. I'll, I'll make it up to you. I will give you the workshop. You can come in and actually set all of these for yourself. They are connections, muscle memory connections. Imagine having fingertip control of your life, of your emotional life. And what do we know about emotions? Emotions drive our actions. Emotions create our relationships and destroy them. Having control of your emotions is an amazing, amazing thing. Here are the four flavors of energy. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about them. The first one is calming energy. The states of peacefulness, that ability to just release the muscle tension. Emotion comes with the physical response our body and our emotions are not separate. So reconnecting the body and the emotion is what happens. And so the first emotion is soothing energy. Soothing energy. What's going on in your world right now where you could use a little more calm that's what you want soothing energy for. So taking a deep breath is the one fastest universal way of tapping into your body's own ability to create calm in the midst of chaos. It is why breathing is the center of yoga. It's why focusing on your breath is the cornerstone of most meditations. It is why we call it the breath of life because when we are... <laughs> Breathing shallow because we're stressed. We are actually impeding our ability to live and our ability to think. So taking a deep, slow breath. And you can do that even if you're driving. So let's calm it down by taking a deep, slow breath. And as you breathe out, realize that there are moments in your life where calming down is not what you need. So first pause long enough, where in your life would being calmer be useful for you? For me, it was picking up the phone to make a phone call or to answer a phone call, especially during times of distress, whether that distress was one of my kids was sick and the phone would ring and I would tense or whether that distress was really imaginary 
And I was picking up the phone to do what is known as a sales call to have the conversation with someone who had expressed interest in my business. And I could tense myself up so much I couldn't get the air to come out. My voice would get really raspy. What I learned was that by calming my own energy, by learning to take three deep, slow breaths before I pick up the phone, by activating a connection, which is what we're gonna create in the workshop, I could actually trigger a state of calmness in myself. I could trigger myself in a positive, powerful way. And I call this fingertip control of your life. So where in your life would a little calmness serve you well? The second flavor of energy is the opposite. It's invigorating energy. It's the excitement, the confidence, the strength. This is this sense of muscle tone as opposed to muscle loosening. It's muscle not tightening, but toning. It's the muscle structure when you're holding your head up and your shoulders back. There's a feeling of being invigorated it's amazing how quickly your body stance will change your emotional state. What would happen if you could trigger that for yourself? Where in your world would a little more confidence, a little more certainty, a little more sense of strength be useful to you? And that's important for you to take a minute and write it down. This is another of the tools that I use because when I was dealing with the feeling that everything was out of control with my daughter's multiple suicide attempts, when I was feeling my own sense that I was out of control with my bouts of depression, this was not an emotional state I could get to very easily. Calmness? No. I could go numb, but I couldn't go calm. Invigorated, strength, confidence, certainty, not words I would use to describe myself or my life. And that's why it's so important to understand these four flavors of energy that are the pulling forces. Where in your life would a little more certainty, confidence, and strength be useful? The fourth flavor of energy is one that my daddy described as love. And my daddy said love was a little black lizard that ran around your heart and tickled your gizzard. Tingling energy. This is the love and the joy. Tingling energy. When you feel all a tingle, you know, uh, your nerves all a jangle when you are around someone who you just get this, you know, oh, I'm so excited. You know, tingling energy, the excitement, the passion, the joy of living, the love. Where in your life could you use a little more tingle? Where in your life could you use a little more of that state? Passion has been described as a barely controlled emotion. Where in your life could you use the experience of a barely controlled, positive, powerful emotion? And write that down because what you're doing is creating a blueprint for yourself for how you're going to use 
these positive, powerful states of emotion. And the fourth one, and then I'm going to show you, I'm going to talk you through how you're actually going to create this for each one of these and where and why. So here we go. All right, the fourth one. There's a difference between being calm and being at peace. All of the emotional, these four flavors of emotion, all of them have their own physicality. Soothing energy, calmness, and the muscles just loosen, the shoulders drop, the voice gets deeper, the throat opens. Invigorating energy, the posture improves, the attitude of the head comes up, the strength, the certainty, the confidence, there's a muscle tone to it. Love, joy, excitement. You, know, you can feel the energy. There's a vibration there. It is vibrating. And then the fourth one. The fourth one has a name that I had to go look up. It's called tonus, T-O-N-U-S. Tonus simply means the amount of muscle tension that it takes to hold a briefcase when you have forgotten that you're carrying a briefcase. Now, to put it into current day, it's the amount of muscle tension it takes to hold a laptop case when you have forgotten that you're carrying a laptop case. So it's a place of stillness. It's a quiet mind. It's a place of nothing moving. It's not that things are getting looser. It's not that things are getting toner. It's not that things are vibrating. It's that things are still. This fourth flavor of energy is the goal of most meditations. This place of stillness. There are biblical quotes, be still and know. There are Eastern Indian traditions that are all based in getting your mind to this place of stillness, whether it's called nirvana, whether it's called you know, being in tune, it's often referred to in lately as being in a flow state. It is this place of timelessness. So those are the four flavors of energy. To create each one is the same process. So I wanted you to have all four flavors and then we can create one process. And again, in the workshop, we will actually be creating them, which is using guided imagery. But the process stays the same, all right? Here's the process. You tank and bring yourself into a state of relaxation. We do this with breathing and with a meditation called bringing in the light. So as we walk through a meditation of bringing in the light and you get back in touch with your body and with being present to yourself, then we look, you look in your mind for memories of a time when you were completely relaxed and comfortable and through a process that I'm only going to do, like I said, when I'm sure you're not on the road, when I can actually see you. We're going to take the essences of your own memory of a time when you were completely comfortable and relaxed and create muscle memory for you. We're going to create a connection. In neuro-linguistic programming, they call them anchors. 
I call them connections because what we're building is a direct connection for you to the memory, to the physicality of the memory of a time when you were relaxed and comfortable. And we set that connection on the index finger. This is where I go when I want to make a phone call. Calm it down, soothe it out. So we'll create that. And you've got your list of where in your life a little bit more calm would be useful. So between now and the workshop, go ahead and give yourself permission if you could use some more calmness before you make a phone call, take three deep, slow breaths, remind yourself of a time when you were completely relaxed and comfortable, and then answer the phone, make the phone call. The second flavor of energy, same process. Three deep, slow breaths. Bring to mind a time when you were completely certain completely confident. You were standing on your dime. Nobody could push you over. You were strong in what you knew, the value you brought, the change that you could see coming in the world. You were strong. You trusted yourself. You'll call up that memory. And it's the same process. If you know that you could use a little more confidence before you have a conversation with someone, well, hey, before you have the conversation, Three deep, slow breaths. And in the workshop, we're going to create the muscle memory for certainty. And I said it misstated, I think. If you know you could use more confidence and clarity and certainty, then you're going to take three deep breaths and call up memories of a time when you were confident, clear, and certain. And during the workshop, we're going to place that on your middle finger. The sequence became really important to me when I realized that when I'm speaking, I need a little bit of both. I need some calm and some confidence. And if I have them on those two fingers, I can actually activate them together. It was a beautiful thing to learn how simple it could be for me to regain emotional control in any situation. Because now I'm used to using my connections. I can't get knocked off my dime too much. The third state of emotion is the tingly state, that little black lizard that runs around your heart and tickles your gizzard. And you follow the same process to create the connection for yourself before you're going to have dinner with the person that you really want to have this tingle with. Bring up the tingle. You just take three deep, slow breaths. Why? Because that reconnects you to your body. And then you recall the memories of the time that you felt that tingly energy. And you bring yourself back to that state before you engage with them. Your relationships will improve immediately. And then there's the fourth one. That place of stillness. Yes, forgot. When we do the workshop, we will place the connection for tingling energy on your ring finger. As you can imagine, there are historic reasons for that. It's both the romantic connection where, where we normally would wear a ring. And in Eastern healing arts, it's a direct connect to your heart. So that's one of the reasons why we use it. Now, there's a lot of theories in Eastern healing arts about whether it's this finger or this finger that's a direct connect to your heart. Either way, close enough. So 
not to get bogged down in the details, I will tell you what works. And what works is the symbology of this finger, the ring finger. It's why we call it the ring finger. It works for your mind on so many different levels. The last one, the tonus, absolutely the same process. Where in your life would being still, having this experience of stillness bring value to you? Think about it. Where in your life would being still improve your life? For me, it was when I need to make a decision. Being able to calm my mind, to come to that place of stillness. That's what allows me to do things like discern. Do I spend my five minutes on this or that? And I don't waste a minute on the decision because in the place of stillness, I can discern the direction to go. And you create that experience exactly the same way. You take three deep, slow breaths when you want to be in that place of stillness. It's great for if you are learning to meditate. This helps you get to a meditative state faster. So don't do this if you're driving. But if you're not driving, three deep, slow breaths and find memories in your own experience of a time when you were completely still. And then think about what it is that you've got doubts about, that you've been debating about, that you've been mulling over, sleeping on, rolling over. That's a great place to do that. So those are the four flavors of energy. I have walked you through several of the tools I use. The attitude, pardon me, the awareness, attitude, action, and acceptance. Exemplar, ex exampled, yeah, there we go, exampled by the ballpark theory. The ability to make peace with your past and stay out of shouldville and the powerful technology. So the first one comes with the question, whose ballpark am I at? That's where I start. The second is once I'm out of Shouldville, how do I stay out or how do I get out faster? And that's the transformative technology where a great return on your investment of time, three minutes, six to eight hours, that's something close to 12,000%. Pretty good return on your investment of time. And then coming out of those energies of guilt, regret, judgment, and blame. And coming into the energies of calmness, confidence, love, and stillness, peace. Those are the tools that I use. And let me just grab this because, like I said, it wasn't quite um, with this today. It was like, oh, no, I can't do this. It will not be good. So... Um, I don't want anybody to fall asleep. So here we go. I've got it for you. Let me grab it. Whoops, I had it for you, but then the chat changed. <sighs> here we go. I will get it for you. Uh, maybe. All right. So there we go. All right. I think I found it. Um, <laughs> all right. 
Katie has done a great job of keeping up with the links. Oh, by the way, I am so incredibly excited. Ah, there we, there we go. Katie, you typed it all up for me. You are just amazing. All right, so here you go. If you guys want the full experience, and, and I hope you do, that you could come as my guest. Nothing fancy here. Just let me know that you want me to tell you when the workshop is happening, and I will be happy to get the information to you, or my team will. As you notice, I can't do anything without my team. They keep me sane, they keep me present, and they make it possible for us to deliver this to you. So. I appreciate my team and I appreciate all of you. I will be in the VIP, pardon me. Oh my God, an itch. I'll be available in the VIP lounge. And so people can have questions there. And even if you're not a very inspiring person, I want you to be able to have the information about the workshop. So this is the one thing that's going to go for both. And that's because I didn't think it through clearly enough about what I was going to demonstrate and the fact that I can't tell if you're driving or not. So rather safe than sorry. And so now you get to come to the workshop for free. And I will be so happy to see you there. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being curious enough to learn the tools that I use the ones that are the backbone of the suicide prevention movement, then the talks that save lives, as well as the foundation of the Success Journey Academy and the process that permanently resolves negative emotional history. These tools that I have shared with you are the backbone and the foundation for both. This is where my league exists between my two ballparks. Thank you.